Okay. I love that one song, Resurrecting Me. Out of the ashes, and I thought I'd forget this, but I have, I think. Out of the ashes... What's the next bit? I will rise. Yeah, just put it up, Penny, because it sort of sums up exactly what I'm preaching on this morning. Out of the ashes I will rise, because he's resurrecting me. Have we gone, Penny? Oh, here we go, I've got it here. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. How awesome is that? That one verse is fantastic, of course, or whatever it is. You know, I want to talk this morning on um, restoration. And if Penn can put a little... Um, you know, everybody has seen an old car sitting underneath a tree or in a paddock just rusting away um, this one here I think they just leave it there it's just a rust bucket to me but I love about this one here it's going somewhere and it's not going to the tip you can stop it there pen thanks it's not going to the tip somebody has seen value in that and it's going to a restoration shop or a panel beating shop you know, some of us can feel a bit like that sometimes. I get up some days and I feel a bit like that. Do we ever feel like that? We're, you know, rusty, not worth anything, you know, just sitting around and what would anybody think of any worth in that? But I want to just talk to this morning about a resurrecting king who's resurrecting each one of us in different ways. Romans 5.20 says, But where sin increased... Grace increased all the more. Where sin or whatever's from the, from the devil, sickness, anything, where that's increased, you know what? God will never be outdone. Where sin increased, it says grace increased all the more. You know, God will never, ever be outdone. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, we can look at so many... Um, things around now. If you go to a bookshop, and there's not that many bookshops around now, but you go there, or perhaps a library or whatever, and all these self-help books on the shelves. You know, you can do this and you do that. All of a sudden, everything's going to be perfect. You know, you're going to be free from anything, sickness, whatever else is to hold you back. But there's only one real answer for that. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You know, God's planned every one of our lives. He knew me from before I was born. And I, I wonder sometimes why I was born. You know, if he'd have known me and all the stuff ups that I was going to do, why wouldn't he have just left me there? It would have been easier for him, you know, just left me in wherever I was before I was born. But he didn't. You know, God planned out your life. He did not say, okay, you get one shot at this life, you make one mistake, and you're out. You know, you get one shot, you're gone. He didn't. Some people might say, well, I've made that many mistakes. And when I was young, like not many people know you here. I mean, know you when I was young, but Helen does. And real rat bag. You know, I, in a car, I was just an absolute menace. And some people never change. No, it's okay. Exactly. <laughs> but lots of other things too. Like, you know, I wasn't as good as what I am now. And I'm still not good now, but I was real rat bag back then. Real rat bag. 
I said, God didn't just kick me out. Yeah. He didn't say, that's it, you struck your time. Yeah. You know, he's the God that looks at that car or me and says, I can see some potential in that. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's rusted. I would never look at that. I would never put it on trial and take it. I've got the talent to rebuild it. But he's an awesome runner. I'm never going to live up to what God wants me to. We're not that powerful. Almighty God who created earth, he planned a life out for you and for me. We are not that powerful to say, I'm not going to live that life. You know, all we've got to do is connect with him and we'll live that life. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He started a work in me and it must have been very frustrating. He must be the most patient person around because he saw me do things that I should never have done. You know, I've learned my lesson, but I still go around and do the same old thing. But guess what? He still had a plan. He still had my life mapped out for me. I love this one, Psalm 37, 23, 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. That sounds so good. You know, okay, you know, you're going to do that. Everything's good if you love him. But I love the next bit. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. You know, get that this morning. When you're struggling with stuff that you're going through, whether you've generated it or outside influences, sickness, whatever, guess what? God's holding your hand. Yeah. How amazing. Now you see a little kid walking down the street holding mummy's or daddy's hand and they are fully secure. And guess what? We are so safe because God's got us by the hand. I want to look at some people in the Bible that went off the track. But God is a restoration God. And the first one I look at was one of the worst people I think in the Bible that I could sort of find. And we might just put that scripture on the screen. Manaseth. I think I'm saying that right in Second Chronicles. And I was just going to abbreviate it, but I want you to get a, just a real picture of what a mongrel this fellow was. Manasseh was 12 year old when he became king. There's a lot of pressure on a person, isn't it? You look at somebody who's 12 year old and say you're king. A lot of pressure. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 55 years. That's a long reign. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt, he rebuilt them. His dad had smashed them all down, got rid of them, changed the whole thing around. And what did he do? Straight back in, he didn't follow his dad. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles. He also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshipped them. He built pagan altars. He said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. So he was an absolute dropkick, really. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnon. You don't get much worse than that. He practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft. He consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that the much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manasseh even took a carved idol he had made and set it up in God's temple, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honoured forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city 
I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people of Judea and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed. He spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. How many of us have done things and God said, don't do it, and we still go ahead? I know I have. I have at times. We don't take any notice. But guess what happened? So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring in through his nose, bound him in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. And you think, well, that's the end of him. That's, he's out of the road. God's got rid of him. You know, that was his life that he wanted to live. So fair enough. Suck eggs, live in it forever. But Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. You know, I'd say Manasseh would have looked like that or felt like that rusty old car. I'm not worth anything. I've done the worst thing. I'm not, I can't be restored or whatever. But guess what? In our God's sight, he was moved by his prayers. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Lord alone is God. 55, nearly 55 years off course, prayed to God earnestly and God answered. That's our God. We, you know, we we're hopeless. We're just lost causes. God doesn't see us like that. He sees us as valuable. Yeah. We look at Jonah. He was told to go somewhere. He did the complete opposite. And everybody knows the story, you know, the big storm. He was thrown into the water. And perhaps if I was on the boat and I knew his history of what God said, well, I said, well, that serves him right. You know, he's going to be dead. God didn't. He sent the whale to swallow him up. And you think, well, you know, out of the fireplace into the fire. But then in the while, he prayed to God and God heard him. Did the complete opposite. How many of us have done the complete opposite with God? Pray restoration. You know, there's no such thing as too far gone with God. He's a restoration God. David with Bathsheba. David, you know what he, you know, he committed adultery and then had the, the wife's husband killed. You know, that's pretty bad. But he prayed and God answered his prayer. And then he said, David is a man after my own heart. Because of the heart that David Samson. Now he was a great man with the long hair. Now, I think that's half the trouble with the blokes nowadays. We're not strong because we've all got short hair. Now, when Helen first knew me, I had hair down a year somewhere. Well, I know hair, so we've got no strength. Hey, all of us men need to grow our hair really long and see what happens. Amen. See how we go. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but Samson, okay, look, a powerful man. He got a jawbone one day and flogged. He killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone. Powerful man. He was empowered by God. But then he played around, you know, with Del um, Delilah. Delilah, yes. With Delilah, 
and basically told him his secret and she got his hair cut off and he got taken into captivity. His eyes were plucked out and he was tied to a grinding stone. What an end for a hero. And you would say, well, that's the end of him. That's the end of him. But he went, there was a big 3,000 odd people in this massive big building. They brought Samson in basically so they could have fun with him. And he went there and he told his servant, he said, you stand me next to these pillars that hold this building up. And then he said to God, I just want one more request. I want my strength back once. And what do you think that Samson did? He answered him. Samson pushed the building down, pushed the pillars down. The building collapsed on all the people there, killed over 3,000. He killed 1,000 when he was doing it, you know, before, and he killed 3,000 in his death. What, what is the key to that? I think it's in Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Yes. To come boldly. You know, whatever his name was, Manasseh could have said, why bother? Who's going to listen after 55 years of doing the worst stuff out? Why would I bother praying? Jonah could have said in the wild, what's the use? I got my just results. I did the complete opposite thing. Come boldly before the throne of grace yeah. Yeah. to receive mercy. That's awesome. That's the sort of God that we serve, that reminds us, that takes care of us. Remember Jacob. You know, his brother came in from the field starving, hungry. said, I need a feed. Now Jacob could have just cooked him a feed. But no, he wanted his birthright. You know, he was just an absolute, um, what would you say today? He's a deceiver. He wanted his birthright. You know, he pinched the birthright. He's not, he shouldn't have had that. That was just a wrong move. And then later on, he dressed up as Esau to get the blessing from his father. You know, just a complete deceiver of everything. And then we see later on in Jacob's life where he wrestled with God. And what did he have the hide to ask him? I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This was God. He'd already deceived. He'd already got the wrong blessing. And what did God do? He blessed him. He blessed him. But he just didn't do that. Then he changed his name from Jacob, which meant deceiver, to Israel, which meant prince with God. That's the restoration God that we serve. You know, he just doesn't take you a little way but he restores you completely. Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas. We all, isn't it sad that you get tagged? You know, Thomas was a nice bloke, but he doubted once. But everybody for the last 2,000 years has called him doubting Thomas. Not just Thomas. We're going to say, oh, there's doubting Thomas, not Thomas. He's had to wear that. You know, he was in the room. He, he didn't believe that Jesus arose from the dead. You know, I have to see it with my own eyes to believe it. So here he is standing in the room then, and all of a sudden Jesus appears, the disciples, straight up to Thomas, and said, look, look at my hands. Look at my, you know, feel my side, feel my, the, the, 
wounds in my hands. He didn't say, well, I'm going to turn my back on Thomas because he doubted me. Here's my faithful ones that believed. He went straight up to him to restore him. And what did Thomas say? I believe. Yeah. You know, it took a bit of convincing because he didn't believe straight away. But God is a restoration God. You know, Peter, we see, you know, Peter, God knew what Peter was going to do. He knew that he was going to deny him three times and basically walk away from him when Jesus needed him the most. But did that change? Did that change his attitude to Peter? He still knew him as the rock. He knew he was going to still have him as the key disciple, even though he denied him, because he's a restoration God. He doesn't leave us in our whatever else we do. He doesn't. Restoration. As we see in that picture there. And if Pam wants to show a couple more little bits in the middle. You know, there's not just a, a start where a car's a rusty old thing and then all of a sudden with a magic wand, it's a brand new car. There's a process in the middle. A process that everybody... The builders have to go through. See, stripping back and all that sort of stuff. And one ten says, this was when David had knew that he'd done the wrong thing. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Yeah. Thanks, Pen. We might stop that there for now. Create in me a pure heart. You know, what do we see with all the, the, um, the makeup shows now? It's creating me bigger lips, bigger, <laughs> bigger hips, bigger, no, no, tighter face, all that sort of stuff. But God doesn't work that way. He works the opposite. He says, create in me. Well, this is what David prayed. Create in me a clean heart. Because why? Because out of the issues of the heart, yeah. everything comes. You know, we can look great on the outside. What do, what do they say? Whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look fantastic. On the inside, you're just crap. You know, creating me. There was a creation done in that car. God does a creation in us, a restoration in us. Psalm 23, everybody knows that one. The Lord restores my soul. He restores my soul. What's our soul? Our mind and emotions. Where do we have a biggest battle? In our mind and our emotions. It's not out there. You know, we don't, our hands aren't the biggest thing. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That takes work. We have to do some. God does some that we can't do. It's all part of the restoration. Some of us just focus on our mistakes, too embarrassed to go to God. But guess what? God doesn't judge us on one or two mistakes. The devil tries to label us. Now, he tries to give us tags. You know, condemn, doubter, loser, failure, weak, never be good enough. How could God love you? How many of us here have heard those things in our mind? I know I have. You know? How could you stand up and preach when you've done what you've done? But guess what? It doesn't stay there. God tells us we are victorious. We're overcomers. We're favoured. We're powerful. 
We're children of God. So what do we believe? Which one do we believe? Now we need to believe because we're not believing what the devil's tried to throw at us. I love when Jesus said you need faith like a child. Not a childish faith, but a childlike faith. Now if I asked my kids years ago when they were little, do they want to go to the toy shop and buy a toy? Not one of them ever said, I am not worthy, I can't go. Not one of them. Everyone would say, you know, they've done a mistake or something like that. Yeah, let's go. Let's get, how big can I get? How much money can I spend? And yet we grovel around when we make mistakes. We grovel around and I'm not worthy to be God's child. It's not depending on what we do. It's depending on how he sees us and how we see ourselves. You know, we are still God's child when we're stuffing up, when we're making mistakes. We just walk away. The forgiveness, the mercy, the grace is still there. All we've got to do is come back to him. But we don't sometimes. We can just focus on our stuff-ups, our failures. Action. I didn't like him losing. Some people might question that. He said, I'm not a... He said, I'm a loser, but not a quitter. I love that. I'm a loser because he lost, but I'm not a quitter. He went through it. You know, the only time life, the only time we're a loser is when we give up and walk away. And even then, God still pursues us. He doesn't let us go. He wants to hold our hand. He wants to restore us. He wants to lead us back. doesn't matter what we've done. You know, I would like to compare the restoring of the car to the way God restores our mind. We have a before, and this reminds us of perhaps our failings, our, you know, the rust. Basically, that rust would eat that car away completely if it was left there long enough. And our sin and our failings, if we look at that, focus on that, that can destroy us too. What a piece of junk I am. But somebody went past that car and saw, I can make that new. I can make that new. So it wasn't junk in his eyes. It was restorable. And we are too. The broken down stage where we saw a bit of there, where they basically stripped the car back to nothing. Because guess what? If you just got that car and you put a nice coat of paint on it, it would still be a crap car. Underneath would be still full of rust. My boss, he did that years ago. He wanted a bigger dozer, he didn't have much money, so he bought this dozer and he put a coat of paint on it. It looked brilliant. The only trouble is when you went to start it, you had to use a full box of air on it. There was that much smoke that came out of the thing. It didn't. It had no power because the motor hadn't been done up. It was basically a pretty wreck. He went the wrong way. He would have been better off to fix the motor. Like God fixes our heart. You know, he doesn't, okay, guys, line up for Botox. I'm going to make you all look pretty so you're the prettiest church in Bega. Mind you, we are. Okay? He doesn't do that. He said, I'm going to create in me a clean heart. Clean heart. I'm going to renew your mind. Things we can't see. But guess what? Out of that flows something. 
That's the broken down stage. Then the rebuilding stage, you know, where they start to weld things together and start to mould things into place. And bit by bit, but I can bet that in some of those things, there's setbacks. You know, oh, I've lost that part or I've got to make a new part or, oh, I didn't realise that bit of rust there, but I have to cut that bit out. We can go through that. You know, we can go through setbacks. We can lose our faith. We can lose our way. We can sin. We can do whatever. Well, you've stuffed up now. He still restores us through that. He's still working. When we can't see it, God is still restoring. And I love that about God. You know, we can look at other people and we can say, well, God, there's a lot of work there to do. God still works away. Sometimes we can even ask ourselves, why do we go through these setbacks? Have you ever looked at a battery? There's a positive and a negative. If both were positive, it wouldn't have any power. It wouldn't start your car. I think it might bring some sparks out, I don't know. But it wouldn't have any power. You've got to have some negatives and a positive to make the battery powerful. Without negative things in our lives, and it worries me today, there's so many kids on antidepressants and all that sort of stuff because they can't handle the negatives. You know, a negative comes along and it's, oh dear, I need medication. Fair enough, some people need it, a lot don't. But we need the negatives to make the battery powerful so that we've got strength inside us so we can do things. In God, we need our negatives and the positives. We learn through the negatives. We realise that God can use those times to make us more powerful. So instead of a 12-volt battery, we can have a 24 hooked together, 36, whatever else. God is restoring us. He is making, you know, puts a bigger motor in the car for more horsepower. I love horsepower. You've still got to have power. Same with us. You know, if we were just weak Christians without any horsepower and power, what would be the use of praying this morning? It'd be totally useless. It's just the tradition we're doing. We go to Sunday, church on Sunday, out of tradition. Powerful people with heaps and heaps of horsepower that can do stuff, make people stand up. You know, you, you pray and there's noises. You know, like you rev your car up. I love revving your car up, you know, when it's no exhaust on it or whatever. It's just great, to, you know. You expect something to happen. And then you put that extra coat of paint on it, you know, the extra love, extra coat of paint so it protects it. That's the rebuilding stage and then the new piece. Can we just show that new piece pen? You know, out of that wreck come this. Now, how awesome is that? Out of that thing on a trailer is us sometimes. We can think we're on the trailer, but guess what? We can end up like that, perhaps in some sort of way. So I wouldn't mind that. It's about my age. And it mostly took that much time to restore it. Because it's taken God this much time with me and he's still not there. He's still got a lot of restoring. But see, somebody saw potential. What makes a thing valuable? Because they're rare. You look at the Falcons, you know, those GTHOs, and I'd love to have one of them. Now they're over a million dollars to buy one of those. Back then, $1,000. Now they're over a million dollars. Why? Because they're rare. Because there's not many around. A collector's item. Guess what? There's not two of you. Each one of you is individual and unique. And that's where God sees the value in you. You know, he doesn't want to, he's not making four of Camellia and six of me 
and one of Jacob. Well, he did only make one of Jacob, but he, you know, because he was a legend. Only made one, only needed one. He made each of us individual because we're valuable. Each got our own destiny, each got our own purpose in life, each got our own stuff ups in life, our own battles we've got to face. I don't think there's anybody here that could say, I've never had a battle, I've never done anything wrong, I've lived a perfect life. I don't think so. You might be all better than me. I could be the only sinner here. I don't think so. But see, God sees value in me, he sees valuable in you, he sees valuable in Ivan Malad. You think, why? You know, the things that Ivan Malak did are no worse than gossip. Still sin. There's still one hell. There's not a, there's not a level of hell. Okay, this is perhaps to a little white lie, and this is for the murderer. It's hell. It's sin. God still loves you. He still loves Ivan Malad. Is he still alive? Hopefully he makes his peace with God. And God's going to forgive him the same as he forgave me. Yep. How awesome is that? Zechariah says, Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. That's the key. Return. You know, the further we go away sometimes, the harder it is for us to return. Okay, so we need to return. Realise that God's there. He's like the prodigal father, I mean, not the, the, the father of the prodigal son. Standing there watching, waiting with his arms open, ready to run to meet him. No, that's our God. Return to him. God promises to restore us if we return to him. There's a piece, I love the Passion Version. Has anybody ever read the Passion Version? Of the, it's only in the New Testament in Romans, I think. But it's really good. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him, who the glorious manifestations of His goodness. As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. Yeah. To abbreviate it, read your Bible, believe it and live it. Yeah. That's basically what the promises are in the Bible. He's given that to us to do something in us so that we can live for him and withstand the devil. You know, if we don't read the Bible and pray, we can't walk around and say, why, God, do I get into so much trouble? We need to read the Bible, believe it. There's promises in there for every situation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and I'm nearly finished. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new car. The old has gone and the new has come. Psalm 37, 23 to finish. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives, but though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. That's what I want to offer as a little kid with Almighty God. Created the universe. You know, walk outside and have a look at a sunrise or something. He knows you and he's holding your hand. Do you want to get the musicians to come back up and...